Welcome to this week's C10 Conversation. I'm Matt Folks. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Oh, you haven't subscribed yet. Well, please remember to click that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And please feel free to leave us a review after you hear this. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that one of our initial goals was to highlight some of the outstanding mentors in our C10 Mentoring and Leadership Program. Of course, you can go back and listen to episodes with a few of those. We also use this podcast to highlight the guest speakers we have for our students and mentors during the weekly sessions. Well, in this week's episode, we're combining both of those, if you will. On Wednesday, March 31st, we did relatively short interviews with three of our mentors in front of our students on the main stage at the Musical Theater Heritage location at Crown Center in downtown Kansas City. This week, you're going to hear one of those interviews as I chat with third-year mentor Lori Topp. Lori grew up in the Kansas City area, and after getting a degree in architecture from the University of Kansas, she went to work as a design manager for Starbucks Coffee out of Seattle. She was in charge of rebuilds of Starbucks stores throughout Canada. A couple years later, she came back to Kansas City, where she is now a principal and aviation projects director for Burns and McDonald. One thing to keep in mind as you hear those last couple of sentences and then listen to this conversation, as an architect, Lori has spent the majority of her career in a male-dominated profession. She has a couple other characteristics that she's open about in this conversation. One has made her self-conscious, and one has helped her throughout her career in a male-dominated profession. You'll hear both of those in this chat. Finally, some quick background. Lori was the third mentor we interviewed that night for our students. So there's a reference or two to George and Fred, the other two mentors we interviewed. And Lori directed a lot of her answers to our students. But frankly, whether you're 14, 54, or 74, her answers can apply to all of us today. With all that being said, here's our conversation with Lori Top. We hope you enjoy it. Lori, as you've heard... Although my questions are going to be different. Uh, yes. uh, you have heard, though, the uh, our little pregame batting practice here, our four questions. So let's let's start off. Question number one, my hero growing up was? My, my hero was my mother. Um, I've never seen anyone, even now, work as hard as she did. And I think it instilled in both my brother and myself this idea that you don't get anywhere in life without putting in effort without you stepping into the position of putting yourself towards where you want to be. Nothing happens by accident. It happens because you make it happen, because you want it to happen, because you force it to happen. And I don't think anybody's ever shown me that the way she did. Question number two, my dream job growing up was? Um, My dream job growing up was anything that I could do better than my older brother. Um, which is um, ironic because he went to college as an engineering physics major. So I thought that for sure meant that I should be an engineer. So I spent, um, at the time, you could be an engineer with this little cool like art side, and you called yourself an architectural engineering major, five-year degree in college. Um, So I went as an engineering major for the first four years. In the fifth year, the architecture school says, we're not going to let you take the studio class anymore where you, where you draw buildings and design things and do the art side. They, they said, that has to end. You have to focus and specialize in engineering. And, and dummy me said, 
well, forget that. I'm going to be an architect. Like I can take the same <laughs> skills and be an architect and still do the fun design work. My first job, not quite as bad as your twelve thousand, but it was nineteen thousand. Had I been an engineer, oh, it would rich. have been yeah. You're rich it would have it would have been double that easy. Forty thousand start. <laughs> so that one decision was like cut cut my spin my pay trajectory in half just by making that one decision. But I will say this, and I've I've told my own kids this as we as we've talked about careers and what to study and whatnot. I really enjoyed my first job. I mean, it, it, the money was lousy, and, and half of our money was going to rent, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Would, would you have traded that first job? Uh, no, and I think, I think I'm actually a better architect because I have that engineering training. Um, one of the things that I love about my degree um, is that it teaches problem solving, and fundamentally being able to solve problems, I think, is a really powerful thing whether you choose to be a doctor or a sports writer or an architect or um, just about anything. If you can understand how to assess a situation, look at a problem, figure out the angles, um, determine which pieces of information are, are important for you to look at and to study, and you can find solutions to things, you can be super successful in whatever you want to do. And um, that my first job taught me um, how to solve problems. And that, I think, is what's led me to where I am in my career today. Very good. Question number three, my favorite book of all time is? My favorite books, I'm going to say books, are the books that my mother read to me as a child and I read to my daughter as a child. Um, the series of books is called The Boxcar Children, and it was about, for any of you who have read it, it's about these um, children who are abandoned or their parents pass away and so they're on their own. They're, uh, they're a group of them, older siblings, younger kids, and they take care of themselves and live out of what is a railroad car, a box car. And um, I just thought they had the best life. <laughs> <laughs> then question number four, if I could meet one person in history, it would be? For me, that would be um, Leonardo da Vinci. Um, I think the pandemic has You've seen people say, I learned how to speak French, or I, I learned the guitar, or I started painting, or I, I did all these things, and they've kind of realized they're sort, they're sort of good at, at one thing, or two things, or three things in their life. That man was amazing, exceptional, extraordinary at many things. He was an architect. He was an engineer. He was an artist. He was a builder. He was a planner. He was he was so many things, um, and I just wanted to know how you tap into that kind of capability within yourself. And I think we all have it, is how do you get there? How do you become extraordinary at, at one thing in your life, much less dozens like he was? It sounds like you were competitive growing up. A little but bit, a little bit. <laughs> tell us about 17-year-old Lori. Well, I'm, I'm six foot one, and I'm was incredibly skinny and 17 year old Lori didn't really know what to do with all of that. Like there, there's a lot, lot going on when you're six one and you're 17 in high school in rural Missouri. Um, so that, that wasn't maybe what you'd call the best confidence booster in, in kind of transitioning into going to college and starting your own life. I never felt comfortable in my own skin. 
Um, still don't to this day. People say to me all the time, I wish I had your height. I wish I had your legs. And I'm like, well, you wouldn't if you had to go shopping for them because it's hard. <laughs> and just really kind of being the tallest person out of your friend group, the tallest person in kind of almost every situation I'm in. Not only am I a woman, I'm in a male-dominated industry. So I'm, I'm a tall woman. I, I stand out everywhere I go, grocery store, convenience store. I get asked on a, on a weekly basis still, even though I'm not young any longer, who do you play for? Like all the time. That <laughs> happens to me all the time. So it just never was like, I didn't ever feel comfortable in my skin. And I have a daughter who's six foot tall, same, same situation. But as she, and, and this is kind of important, I think for you guys, as you're transitioning now from from your high school years into what will fundamentally be college years and your careers is understanding that you don't have to feel comfortable in your skin right now, that you, you are going to do so much learning over the course of the rest of your high school career. And then into college, you continue to develop and, and evolve into the person that you're going to be. So what you think of yourself today is not who you're stuck with. You have the opportunity to take ownership of the things you love about yourself and make those better. And you have the opportunity to say, there are things about myself that I wish could be different and find a way to work hard to change them. You all have that capability, which is what I did. I found a way to take that lack of confidence about who, how I felt in my own skin and turn it into um, a strength. I work harder than anybody, just like my mother did. I will out work anybody in any situation to to get to a position of confidence that I know we can deliver a good product. So that's that's the way I, I did it. You guys have to find what works for you. How do you transition yourselves into who you want to be when you grow up, which isn't which isn't a passive question. It should be really active for you. Who do you want to be? Who who do you want to be next? Who who do I want to be next? Because my career will end at some point. What do I want to do after that? It doesn't ever stop. You have to keep pushing yourself to be who you will be next. Well, and we've heard tonight from George, who had career military and then went to KPR, Kansas Public Radio. Fred, 44 years at State Farm, and then in the church. You're right. I mean, you, you have to think, uh, think ahead. But you've mentioned your mom a couple of times. Did she work outside the home? Yeah, she, she was a, a nurse. Um, okay. And... Uh, she transitioned away from actively being nursing in a hospital into working for Blue Cross and Blue Shield here in Kansas City as a medical review nurse. And at the time, every single claim that had any kind of medical question, she would have to evaluate it and say, yes, I approve this. Like that, that was the person that got the claims that were kind of funky. Yes, I approve it. And so she would bring home, not only did she work um, you know, really long days. My brother and I were kind of on our own. Um, and my father worked out of the house too. So we were making dinner and we were doing all those things, cleaning all the stuff that you guys probably have to do too. Um, and she'd come home and she'd bring work home and work every single night, every single night. I do not remember a night when she was not working at the kitchen table after dinner, long past when I went to bed and um, up again before I got up the next morning back to work again. I've, I've never seen anything like it. She would outwork all of us, I'm sure. Hey, this is Matt Folks. I hope you're enjoying this week's conversation. We're going to take a quick break as we introduce you to one of the students in the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Program. 
My name is Carmen Gudino. I am a senior at Lincoln College Prep. And what I enjoy most about C10 is mostly the community service projects. I love being able to give back to my community while also engaging in activities with my peers. My most favorite service project would probably be trunk or treat and also my own service project of making blankets for sick children at Children's Mercy. Thank you so much for helping to make that possible. That's this week's C10 Student Spotlight. Now back to the podcast. Now, I can ask this question because you and I are pretty much the same age or pretty close. You, you were going through high school and into college at a time when, and really for your mom, it was not as acceptable to work outside right. the home as a woman. And yeah. you mentioned that you're in a male-dominated profession. At our age coming up through high school, it was a little more accepted, but it still wasn't the way it should be or the way it, it's going toward today. Right. How much did your mom's influence on you help you say, you know what, I can go do this? Well, I, I, I guess I never felt like there were any limits for me. And I think that's sort of, I don't know, it almost sounds contrived to say it, but she really showed that you could work hard and do anything. Like if I had wanted to be an astronaut, I would have gone and done it, but that just wasn't where I wanted to be. <laughs> she just, she showed me that there were not limits. And I, I think that's such an important message for all of us, even though in so many circumstances, you can feel like an outsider, you can feel like you're, like you're the strange one, or that you can feel unusual. As a woman, I can feel like I'm in the minority, or I can feel like I'm the only one in the room. Um, that, that doesn't become the limiter, it just becomes the, the, the piece that you understand about yourself and you figure out what's the what, what's the next right step for me. It's probably not the same thing I see the person who's sitting next to me that looks different. I probably can't take the same step that they have to. I probably have to take one that's probably going to be a little harder. It's probably going to be a little bit more um, unusual. It's probably going to be out of the ordinary. And it might be something that other people say that's the wrong thing to do. But for you, for me, it was the right thing to, to, to push myself as hard as I did. You're from this area, but you end up going up to Seattle to work yeah. for Starbucks. Yeah. What did you do up there? So I was the um, design manager for existing stores for all of Canada. I owned the Canadian region, which if you know anything about Starbucks. Their first market was Seattle, obviously. Second market was Vancouver, Canada. So a lot of really mature stores all across Canada. So big, big market. And not only is it big from a size perspective, like how many stores, there's also a huge geography. So I'm in West Coast in Seattle. I have teams in Toronto doing work. They're three hours ahead of us. So I was working on Toronto time while in Seattle time. And then I still had teams in Seattle and Vancouver doing, you know, work. So it would, they made long for long days <laughs> and, and lots of travel into Saskatchewan and, and, you know, all, all over Canada. So in that leadership journey early on, what, what was most difficult for you? I think what is most difficult is learning your own style for, for your, your leadership style, your, your development style. For, for me, trust is the foundation of everything. And if, if I don't trust the people that I work for, or, or conversely, 
the people that I work with or the ones that work for me, if we have not established that trust and we don't have a good foundation for it, um, I found that those were the times that I struggled the most. And over my career, I've figured out there's like kind of a few key things that, that really all have to happen simultaneously to develop that trust. Understanding that the people that you're dealing with are, are kind of talking to you logically, like you understand what their methodology is. It's clear, it's concise, it's well thought out, but you kind of trust that they're gonna take you in the right direction. That, that they're thinking empathetically, that they're putting you first, that you are who they want to succeed in the environment that you're in. Not them first, but, but you first. Or conversely, if I have people working for me, that I'm putting them first. And then that you're being authentic, that you're being yourself, that you, you know who you are, and that you, you achieve the confidence in your skin, and you figured out who, what you're good at, what you're bad at, um, that you show up as you, but that you actually show up. And when all of those things work together, trust is pretty easy. If any one of them is a little wonky, trust is not ever going to happen. So, um, and that goes both ways. Trust is, trust is never stagnant. It never, it's never, you don't establish it and it stays that way. Trust is something that you are always building or that is always eroding. And it's your job to make sure you're always building. Building, building, building. So you've been with uh, Burns McDonald for 13, th this is your 13th year. Yep. Aviation Projects Director. What in the world does an Aviation Projects Director do? Well, um, in, in before the pandemic, I did very uh, big, big aviation projects. So my area of expertise is inside of... Um, design build work primarily, large programs of, of, a, of a particular scale. So I do, I do bigger work generally. Um, if it's design build, all the better. Um, generally it's for facilities, so I'm doing things like buildings as opposed to what you might think of other engineers doing things like electrical transmission and distribution lines or utilities. But I'm, I'm generally doing buildings, which is where my architecture background comes in. Um, as director, I am leading and managing teams. So I'm um, developing um, other project managers who can do the same kind of work that I do. Um, all of our um, disciplines and, and architects, mechanical engineer, electrical, structural, all the different portions of the building that are go into creating that facility, helping them all develop and getting uh, down the next path in their career. So prior to COVID hitting, I was working on a, a large project at the Dulles Airport for, for uh, one of the major airlines. And um, as their business kind of fell apart with the rest of the world, um, that those, those projects paused. The exciting thing is they're starting to, um, things are coming back. It looks like things are, are turning around and hopefully we'll all see that with going back to school and work coming back and things coming back to normal. So that's exciting. Okay. Let's close this out with three quick questions. Question number one, what's one time as a leader that you struck out? I don't like to think about those, I Matt. <laughs> You're not going to like the next question either. Oh, okay, so good. Just, All right. Might as well start with this one. Well, I, I, think, I, think that's, um, I think we do that a lot. I'm, I'm particularly poor at empathy at times. I, I f have this drive to work really hard and I fail to recognize that others have things in their life that prevent them from 
doing exactly what I do exactly the way I do it. So I've, I find that I fail most often when I fail to recognize the limitations of the people that I'm working with or for or around. Um, so when I fail to have that empathy piece um, is where I, I struggle the most. Yeah, on the flip side of that, when's one time you've hit a home run as a leader? So I work at Burns & Mack. Before I was in aviation, I was in our commercial group. And um, I was the project manager for the Burns McDonald World Headquarters building, which I'm super proud of. It's the building that's at the end of Ward Parkway, um, right there at the kind of keystone at the end of it. And I, I had the great, the, one of the greatest opportunities of my career to work with Greg Graves while he was still CEO and Greg Gould, um, who was a longtime vice president at, at Burns and McDonald to develop not only kind of the master plan, the vision for where Burns and McDonald would go from a facilities perspective um, and to work with the board of directors to develop that, but to develop our commercial design build industry on, on that project. So that's where we started upscale in design build of vertical facilities was on that job. And that was mine to, to run. So talk about pressure um, <laughs> as that building's being constructed. There are literally... 5,000 engineers' eyes out of the building next door watching it every single day. Oh, that doesn't look right. Or what are you guys doing there? What? So to have it be so successful, to have it be such a, I think, elevator of our brand in Kansas City and nationally, how we can, uh, what, what that shows about our capabilities is um, something I'm really, really proud of. And then finally, I asked you about 17-year-old Lori. What would you tell 17-year-old Lori today? Um, I think I'd say just to give, give, give yourself a break. Like, you will, you're going to be fine. Don't, don't get, put so much pressure on yourself to do things that are outside of your comfort zone perfectly the first time. Take a deep breath evaluate what mistakes you just made and do better the next time. And I think that would have helped me a lot. I hope that helps my daughter a lot because I tell her that all the time. <laughs> well, very good, Lori. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being a mentor to Carmen over the last few years and to, to our other students. Absolutely. My pleasure. Would would uh, not have nearly enjoyed the past two, couple of years without Carmen in my life. So I'm really really proud of who she is becoming and um, what she has up ahead of her next. Thank you very much. Well, that does it for this episode of the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we hope that you'll leave a favorable review on your favorite podcast platform. If you didn't enjoy it or you have other comments or suggestions for potential guests, you can click on the comment link in the show's notes. We drop a new episode at the end of every week, but be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an interview. And if you or your company would like to help underwrite this podcast, let me know. Until next time, this is Matt Folks for the CU and the Major Leagues Foundation saying be safe and take care. We hope you've enjoyed, been educated, and inspired by this episode of the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dayton Moore's CU in the Major Leagues Foundation. For more information about CU in the Major Leagues or the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Program, visit cuinthemajorleagues.org. That's the letter C, U in the Major Leagues.org. <laughs>